Praise God. Will you turn your scriptures to the Gospel of John, chapter 11? And we're going to be reading verses 1 to 45. John, chapter 11, verses 1 to 45. And I've asked Brother Rajesh to help us out in that. Brother Rajesh, please. John 11. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. Then the disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas who is called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met with him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is to come into the world. And when she said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, 
but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her, with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus said, Then Jesus again groaning in himself came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound, hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did, believed in him. Praise God. Now this is obviously a very well-known piece of scripture. It's a long 45 verses that we have read and uh, it's not a new story to, to almost all of us here. But I'm sure God has got something for us. And what we are going to do over the next uh, three hours is we are going to... Okay, I've got your attention. Uh, we are going to pick on a few verses and see what is the take-home message that we have from this particular passage of Scripture. The first lesson that we get is simply this. It's in verse 3 of chapter 11. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Unburden your problems to the Lord. That's message number one. Unburden your problems to the Lord. The Bible does not tell us, either in this scripture or in any other place, that Lazarus or his sisters went around from man to man, from person to person, to some local doctor, looking for some form of a treatment. Neither did they go around and tell the people around them, pray for me. What did they do instead? The Bible tells us, that the sisters sent for Jesus. 
He was not there. He was not with them. He was not in their town. He was in a different place. But the sisters said, if there is anyone we need to approach because our brother is ill, is go to the Lord. Let's unburden ourselves to the Lord. Let's not worry about talking to X, Y, and Z. Because the only person who can actually solve their problem is Jesus Christ. They knew that. And that's really the message to us today. We know that the only person who can actually solve our problems is Jesus Christ. We have heard testimony after testimony. And we hear it month after month, where we hear people of coming up and saying, brothers and sisters coming up, talking about different situations they have faced, different people they have gone up to, but nothing has helped. But when they turned to the Lord, when they turned to the Lord, they had their answer. And that's exactly what the sisters thought about here, Martha and Mary. They saw that their brother was sick, and so what did they say? Let's call Jesus. Let's just tell him what's, what's wrong with our brother. In Psalm 55, verse 22, David says, Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. Cast your burden on the Lord. It doesn't say anywhere, cast your burden on your neighbor. Your, burden has, your neighbor has his or her own burdens to bear. Don't add your burdens to them. But the Bible tells us, and David understood it very well when he said, cast your burdens on the Lord. Because David knew, like many of us know, that the only real answer to any problem is going to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ himself has said it. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus said, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What is the burden you are carrying? How heavy is it? Your neighbor is not going to take it off you. Your friend is not going to take it off you, however much they want to take it off you. They can't. They don't have that authority. They don't have that ability. They can't remove your burdens. But Jesus Christ has said, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He will take away the burdens and he will give us rest. The key to unlocking the solution to our problems, because many of us have come seeking solutions to a problem or more problems. And the key to identifying that solution to our problem, whatever it may be, of whatever kind and type and distance and duration, the answer is very simple. Take it directly to the Lord. And now if you look at that verse a little carefully, verse 3, Therefore the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Mary and Martha did not pray for healing. It doesn't say they prayed for healing. They took the problem to the Lord. You deal with it however you want to. This is my problem. I'm not giving you the solution. 
Like often when we go to the Lord, we have already got a solution. Our own solution, our own plan. And so we go to the Lord and say, this is what I want to happen. God says, go ahead, let it happen. That's your plan. Do it. I give you all authority to do what you have to do. But the problem is it's not going to work. Take your problem to the Lord and tell him, do as you wish. Because there is no greater problem solver on this earth than Jesus Christ. He looks at the problem from every angle that, it's, that it could be looked at. While we look at it with some small narrow angle vision that we have. The two sisters, when they went to Jesus Christ, all they said was, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. That's the problem. In their heart, they would have said, we want our brother to be well again. But they didn't tell that to the Lord. They just said, he who, who you love is sick. Do what you have to do. That's the way you need to take your problems. So unburden your problems to the Lord. Just take it to Him. Allow Him to work out the solution. We can never outthink God. Whatever we try, we are so small in our thinking. So very often, if you look at your own lives, if I, when I look at my own life, I know that there are times when I've had problems and I've suggested solutions to the Lord. And I have been obstinate and I have been arrogant and I have said, this is the way I want it done. Because anytime we give a solution to the Lord, there is a little bit of pride that comes into it. Because when I give a solution to the Lord, I want my name to come up a little bit. But when you let the Lord do it, all glory goes to Him. And that's what we need to do. Unburden your problem. See, our issue is not about the name or the fame that we are looking at. Our problem is different. We have a problem. That's the issue. Just take the problem and unburden it to the Lord. Let Him give you the solution, whatever solution there is. And whatever solution he gives you, that is the best solution. There is no solution, there is no other solution which could outbeat the solution which Jesus Christ gives. Number two, the message number two is this, verses six and seven. So when he heard that he was sick, that's when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. Jesus chose to stay an extra two days, despite knowing very well that the one he loved was sick. Jesus answers prayers. The Lord answers prayers. But in his time. That's message number two. The Lord answers prayers, but in His time. The answer may be a yes. The answer may be a no. 
or the answer may simply be wait. It's an answer. You go to the boss for a salary hike. Sometimes you may be surprised to say he says yes. I'll give you a salary hike. You've got your answer. Sometimes you go and he says no. You've got your answer. Sometimes you go and he says wait. You've got your answer. And the Lord also is like that. So when you go to him with your problem, he may say yes. He may say no. He may say wait. Let's please remember that no is an acceptable answer. It may not be something we like to hear. But no is a perfectly legal, legitimate answer. So we need to accept it when it happens. In Luke chapter 9, we read the story of the father with the epileptic boy. He cried to Jesus, Heal my son. Yes, I will, said Jesus, and healed him instantly. The father cried for healing. And Jesus said, yes, it is done. The solution was instant. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we read of Paul asking for deliverance from the thorn in his flesh. The answer was no. My grace is sufficient for you. Paul prayed again. Deliver me. Remove this thorn in my flesh. And there are a lot of interpretations for the thorn in the flesh. So we are not going into that. But the point is, Paul had a prayer. And that was, remove this thorn from my flesh. Jesus Christ's answer was, no. Paul said it the third time. And the answer was still, no. And then Paul said, I'm not going to ask this thing again. If it's got to be there, it's got to be there. Yes, my grace is sufficient for you, said the Lord. And that's the way Paul lived after that. He didn't go on and say that, no, 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 I need to have that solution immediately at the problem. Because he's heard from God. And God's answer was a no. So yes is a possible answer from God. No is an answer from God. And like Paul, we need to have that maturity to understand that when God says no, he means no. We don't need to bargain with him. We don't need to question that. And sometimes it is wait. In the story of Lazarus, the answer actually is wait. Because the sisters sent a prayer request to the Lord. The one you love is sick. God said wait. He could have healed him immediately. He could have said the word in the other city that he was in. And Lazarus would have been healed. Jesus didn't do any such thing. He continued staying on for two days extra where he was. And then he said, let's go. So Jesus always answers prayers. Now some of you are going to come up front in a few, after a few minutes with a prayer, with a prayer request. The one conviction that you need to have when you come up here is God answers prayers. 
don't come thinking God may answer prayer. No. God always answers prayers. But it is in his time. And sometimes that answer is wait. Because it's not yet his time. So that's point number two we get from the story. God always answers prayers, but in his time. Don't try to rush God and don't grumble that God isn't answering your prayers. God always answers prayers. In Psalms 37, verses 7 and 8, David writes, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Maybe that's why God is saying wait. Because we are an impatient generation. We are an impatient generation. In December I wasn't here. So I taken a month's leave from my place of work. And then when I came back, you see the Ministry of Health, anybody working in Ministry of Health? Okay, anybody working in the administration of Ministry of Health? Nobody. Okay, so I, I'm safe to say this then. Okay. The Ministry of Health is a sick ministry. Okay, it's probably the sickest ministry. Okay. Now the issue is this, the minute I went off on one month's leave, they took me off the rolls. I went on leave. I didn't resign. I was not terminated. I went on leave. I applied for a proper leave and I had my leave sanctioned. But they took me off the financial rolls. And they have one convoluted explanation as to how the paper has to go from this table to that table to that table to that table to Ministry of Finance. And somebody has to take it in a taxi or a car or something, whatever. Okay. And so when I came back, I joined. I joined on the 5th of January. And we normally get our salary towards the end of the month. Lo and behold, everybody in my department gets salary. I don't get the salary. I said, uh, what happened? What's happened to my salary? So the guy, I go to my director of admin and he asks me, you joined duty? I said, I joined duty 20 days back. Okay. I said, I have the copy of the communication that you have sent to the ministry. So he says, oh, give me, give me your number. You know, so we have something called staff number, which is like, our, you know, like a prisoner has here. You know. We have a staff number. So I gave my staff number. So he puts it into the computer. You know, that gadget that they have in front of them. I don't know what all secrets it hides, you know. He puts my number into it. No, your letter is not there. I said, I have a copy of your letter that you have sent it. What, where my letter has gone, I don't know. But I have the copy. Then he says, ah, show me. Then he picks that one. Now, he has forgotten what my number is. So he tra traces it and does all kinds of things and then finally tracks it out. And then I keep going back and forth to the ministry looking for my salary. February comes and February goes on. And there I was. Where's my salary? 
I have house rent to pay. This is what I was telling the people. I've got to pay for my son's college. I've got to, eat. I've got to have food on my table. But the fact of the matter is, I really didn't have to do that. Because I, my bank balance wasn't zero. But I was grumbling. I was fretting. And as a result of that, when tasks were given to me by my head of department, my immediate response was, why should I do that when this place can't even pay me my salary? You see, I was allowing that issue to eat into me. And this is what David says, don't fret. It does you harm. It doesn't harm anybody else. Just trust the Lord. The Lord will answer. If he wanted me to wait for my salary then, and I was not in a critical situation, you know, the roof wasn't collapsing on my head, there was no reason for me to fret. Now, having been in Ministry of Health for 20 years, I know that anytime I go on leave, I'm off the rolls. And then every time you come back and you rush around and put your name back onto the system, okay, to make sure that at least the following month you get it. But what did I do? I was fretting. But what does the Bible tell us? What does this passage tell us? God answers prayer. All I needed to do was take the problem to the Lord. Lord, I haven't got my salary for January. Fine. He solves it. He, he would have solved it. I didn't take it to him. I was doing all things that human beings do. I let the human in me take over. Okay, but what's, this, what's the message that we have? Second message. God answers prayers all the time. In his time. There was a reason. Now when I look back, now that I've got this month's salary, and when I look back as to why I did not get the salary at that time, there is a reason. Had I had that money at that point of time, I would have actually wasted that money. That money would have burnt without any useful purpose for anybody within the family. But because I didn't have that money, I couldn't do what I normally would have done. You see, so God has a reason. So when he, told, when he was delaying my salary, I should have understood that I am a child of God. God is not going to let me down the drain. Isn't this what I tell people? God is there, there to take care of you. What happened to myself? You see, so we need to remember that all time God answers prayers. But there are times when he says, wait. And we just need to wait. Don't fret. Just rest in the Lord. David said that one. Trust David. He, he said the right things. Lesson number three. Hopeless situations are not hopeless situations. Okay? Verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. According to Jewish custom, Jewish belief, the spirit of a dead man would hover around the body for three days. And after that, the Jews believe that the body starts decaying 
and the spirit goes away from the body, never to return to a decaying body. This is a Jewish belief. They have a seven-day mourning period, but they have a three-day period when they believe that if there is going to be a revival of that body, it will take place within those three days. Not beyond that. And Jesus came on the fourth day. Jesus was a Jew. Jesus knows everything that the Jews thought about. He knew the beliefs of the Jews. He was not a stranger to their beliefs. He knew that his people, the Jews, would look at the body of Lazarus and say, three days, that's it. This is the end of Lazarus. The spirit has gone away. The body will start decaying. Hopeless situation. Okay? But in the life of a believer, there is no hopeless situation. Lazarus was somebody loved by Jesus Christ. That's what it tells us. That's what the Bible tells us. So for Lazarus, for Mary, for Martha, this was not actually a hopeless situation. So when somebody says that you are in a hopeless situation, trust God, this is not a hopeless situation. There is no situation in your life that can be called a hopeless situation. You are always a people of hope. Because if you start saying that you have got no hope, then anything that you say about Jesus Christ is meaningless. Because if you trust the Lord Jesus Christ, if you trust in the one true living God, you are in a tight situation, but you are not in a hopeless situation. I always say that let's thank God for the good times. Let's thank God for the not so good times. Because I personally believe that there are no bad times in the life of a believer. There are good times and there are not so good times. But they are not bad times. Because God is in charge. I am a child of God. And therefore God is concerned about everything that concerns me. And if that situation is not something that I can understand about, I don't need to fret about it because my God has brains bigger than mine and he understands the situation. So hopeless situations are not hopeless situations. Number four. Do not be influenced by doubters or doubts. Verse 37 and 39a, or 39b. In verse 37, some of them said, that's the people who are around, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Why that thought? Because just a few verses earlier, Jesus Christ has said, he will rise. So he told Martha and these people were there with him, with her at that time. And they heard what Jesus Christ said. And then they say here, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? 
they started putting sentences of doubt. Jesus Christ just said that he will rise again. Could not this man have done it instead of letting that poor Lazarus die? And then Martha, what does she say? Verse 39. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. She said, the body is decaying. But what did she say a little earlier in verse 22? In verse 21, Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, verse 22, Even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. That's her statement. And a little later, she, when Jesus says, remove the stone, she says, wait a minute, that body is going to be stinky. Is this the kind of statements we also make? We say a statement, but when God puts us to the test, we say, wait a minute, God, I don't think you really need to go there. Okay, that was a rhetorical statement. Now, the, reali the reality of the matter is, the guy is dead for four days. Let's leave him. The spirit has gone somewhere else. Probably gone to, I don't know, Syria, Aleppo, wherever. Okay? Let's not bring it back. See, that's what Martha, so she's already, she's made a statement, but in her mind is, is the doubt. Can he even do it? And that's the question I'm asking you. When you come for prayer, when you talk to God and you say, God, this is what I want. Is there an iota of doubt in you? Don't have that. Don't have that. How many of you checked the chair that you're sitting on before sitting on it? You trusted it. 100%. Even now you're trusting it. How do you know this roof won't fall down? When you get into a car and you're driving at 100 kilometers an hour, how do you know the brake is not going to go right down? You're trusting it. Trust the Lord. Do not be influenced by doubters or doubts. Is that the way we deal with our problems? Maybe you have become comfortable with your problems. Even if God wants to unburden you, you refuse to roll away the stone. Because the problem, if it's there, gives you an opportunity to keep talking about it. Have the focus on you. Have the sympathy of people. Get people to think what a sad situation you are in. No. God said, roll the stone away. Once the problem goes, nobody's going to look at you. When Lazarus comes back, who's bothered about Mary and Martha? They will go ahead and eat what they want and drink what they want and life will go on. We too, we have problems. When God says, I'll take it away. No, I want the problem. God, take it away. But I'm holding on to it tight. You know, we are comfortable with our problem. It's like a security blanket for us to have that problem around us. Okay? 
you make a memorial of your problem. You visit them at regular intervals and grumble that God is not answering your prayer. Don't be influenced by doubters or doubts. If God has given you a, a word that he will roll away the stone, that he will take away the problem, let God do it. Just let go. Surrender and say, God, do it. As you wish, as you will. In Mark chapter 6, verses 5 and 6, it is written, Now he could do, that's Jesus, he could do no mighty work there, that's in his hometown, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. He couldn't perform any miracles. He couldn't really roll away the stones from the lives of people because they refused to believe him. They had doubts. They said, oh, this is the carpenter's son. He is a carpenter. What's he talking about? Always living in doubt. Let God work. Do not let your unbelief and doubt be the obstacle to your solution. Because what God wants us to have is faith, faith and faith. Trust Him implicitly. If God says jump, jump, He's there to catch you. He's not going to let you fall. My final point is this. Let your testimony give hope to others. When your prayer is answered, you have a testimony that follows. Verse 44 and verse 45. Now he who died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. Verse 45. Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did believed in him. They saw the solution. And when they saw the solution, they believed. There is no more talk about Mary and Martha any longer. There is no description of how Mary reacted or how Martha reacted when their brother walked out of the grave, except we heard that Martha said, no, let him be inside. He's going to be stinky. Beyond that, we have nothing. But what we have is when the solution was there and people saw the solution, many of them believed. So when you have received the answer to your prayer, don't keep it to yourself. Talk about it glorifying God. Don't glorify the problem. Nobody wants to listen to your problem because everybody has their own problems. What they want is the solution. And what's the solution? The solution is Jesus Christ. So just like what happened to Lazarus when he came out and people saw and people believed when they saw a dead man coming to life four days after he was dead. 
Where did that spirit come from? They didn't question. They had no such things. They believed. That's all. That's the way the story ends. Okay? Let your testimony give hope to others. See, that is the end result. The end of the story is there was a situation, there was a problem, but at the end there was a solution and people saw the solution and they believed the Lord Jesus Christ. Today are we in that situation? In a few minutes we are going to be praying. And you're going to receive your answer. Because come with faith. Come believing that you will get an answer. That answer may be now. The answer may be delayed. Because God chooses the time. But you will get an answer. When your solution comes, talk about it. Come here. Seven people were there today here to testify. Somebody who's heard your testimony, somebody who's heard one of these testimonies today will say, that's the same problem I have. If it could be done to that brother, if it could be done to that sister, why not me? I'm going to go front to them, I'm going to be prayed for, and I want to pray, and I want to trust God, and then that's no more a problem for me. Your testimony, seven of you, has been a trigger for somebody. And next month, your testimony will be a trigger for somebody else. And that's why you need to testify. Okay? In Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 says, If anyone acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will openly acknowledge that person before my Father in heaven. But if anyone denies me here on earth, I will deny that person before my Father in heaven. Acknowledge God. Acknowledge all that He does. Acknowledge everything that He's done in front of, to you. Church, if you've got anything to be prayed for, if you want to come forward, this is the time you need to come forward. I'm going to be asking our leaders to come forward now. We're going to be praying for different needs. So look at yourselves and if you think you want to come forward, please start coming forward now. I'll call our elders and our leaders, our pastors to come forward. But as you come forward, think about these things. It is up to you to unburden yourself unto the Lord. Remember, He is a prayer-answering God. Do not look at the circumstances around you. Do not doubt that Jesus can work the miracle you desire. Just trust and obey. I call on our pastors, our elders to come forward, please. And uh, those of you who wish to be prayed for, please start coming forward in the short time that we have. Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8, Praise. Jesus said, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened.
There is only one name There is only one name In the power to save Oh, the power to save There is only one there is only one name There is only one name With the power to say Jesus You have the power to say Our God is champion he reigns forevermore forevermore and our God and our God he is champion the hero
Let us be on our feet. Let's be on our feet. story of Lazarus shows us how Jesus comes and calls us closer to himself. Jesus is hot whenever we are hot. I want you to believe this. Jesus asked Martha, do you believe? That is, do you believe in me? And today, the Lord is asking you the same question. Do you believe in me? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? That is life's most important question that needs to be answered. Today, we have known that God answers prayer. Wait for your time. God never late. He is in control. We need to thank God for that, that he's in control of every situation we might be finding ourselves. The Lord God Almighty is bigger than every problem that we may have. And Jesus has the power that is beyond the imagination of every one of you, including me. On that very day, how many of them think that Lazarus will walk out from that grave? None of them imagine that. God is good. So what are, you, what are you going through? What is that thing that is bothering you? The year has just started. The days are rolling. Your time is now. In the mighty name of Jesus. So commit everything unto God. Table everything before God is there to answer you. And as you do that, God mighty will answer you speedily in the mighty name of Jesus. Let us close our eyes. Heavenly Father, we want to appreciate you for this night victory. We thank you for the victory that you have granted us to us today. We thank you for every prayer that you have answered. We thank you for the prayer you are going to answer. We thank you for the testimony we are going to share. We thank you for the victory that we are going to celebrate. Father, accept our thanks in Jesus' name. Father, every prayer that we have offered here, answer right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Every request that has been tabled before you, everything that has been put before you, Lord, Father, answer us from your throne in the mighty name of Jesus. And let testimony follow in the mighty name of Jesus. I use each and every one of you as point of contact for those that are not here. As God has blessed us this night, He shall bless them in Jesus' name. Our testimony will continue. It shall never cease in the mighty name of Jesus. And as you go into a new month, that God Almighty will start new things in your life in Jesus' name. All those areas 
that you are thinking is dead. The same God that called Lazarus out we call out your glory and your victory out in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, everlasting Father. Your son that you have used for us this day, Father, reload him more in the mighty name of Jesus. More anointing in his life in the mighty name of Jesus. Commit him and his family into your hand. You will perfect all that concerns them in Jesus' name. He is in this land serving you. Every of his rights in this land. Lord, you will pull them out in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, almighty God. As we go, Father, go with us in Jesus' name. And when else we meet for another program this week, Father, glorify your name in the mighty name of Jesus. When we meet on Friday, let it be a testimony in Jesus' name. Thank you, almighty God, for in Jesus' name we have prayed. Let us share the grace together in fellowship. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God, fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, God's goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Don't forget, this Thursday is night vigil. God bless you. <laughs>